Welcome to Thyroid Tales, Stories, Strategies, and Success. I'm Arthur. I'm April. And quick disclaimer, nothing that we say in this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice. We're not doctors. We're just nerds. Okay, welcome back to Thyroid Tales with Team A-Rod Fitness. April and Arthur here. Um, so today we're going to go a little bit over what April's experience has been, her story, find out the background, and then really it's the foundation to what Team A-Rod is, who Team A-Rod is, and essentially just our foundation. So um, without a further ado, April, where did it all start for you? Um, yeah, so I am assuming you're talking about my health journey and really with Hashimoto's with that really being the catapult and like the beginning of everything. And honestly, it happened probably before I was diagnosed, right? But we start really started noticing a shift in my health in August of 2015. So our oldest daughter was six months old. Um, I was nauseous and having like insomnia. My hair was falling out, which the, the, the hair falling out, I was like, well, this is probably just from postpartum chalking it up but I was super tired I was in my like postpartum fitness grind and I wasn't recovering super well I had a personal trainer and everything and I was like I need to like really show up for myself and like not let my trainer down but I just wasn't recovering well um and I I honestly thought I was pregnant um I took multiple tests and they were negative and I was like there's something going on why I'm having all of these symptoms um and so the the big thing that really pushed me to the doctor and got the doctor to take me seriously was I actually collapsed at the gym uh, one day with my trainer and my body just said nope we're not doing this anymore I collapsed and had a seizure um and so when obviously the EMTs come and they do all of that and I was like I'm not going to the ER for this um and they were like well you at least have to go to your primary care today and I did and she was thorough. I got really, really lucky that this doctor did not just test TSH. She actually ran my TPO antibodies. And um, I knew something was wrong when we were at dinner um, a couple days later. And I remember we were at our favorite Mexican restaurant, Moctezuma's in Tacoma. And she called me, like, probably, honestly, I was probably mid bite and that those delicious chips and salsa there um and she said hey you need to come back into my office tomorrow we need to talk about your test results and I immediately knew like the doctor never calls if it's good news they just they don't they will literally just say put it in a message like everything looks good uh let's follow up in how whatever time frame but she was like you need to come back in tomorrow uh, and we're going to talk about this. And so I told you, and um, I was like, something's wrong. Like, I don't know what, but we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, were you at me with that at that appointment? I don't think I was. I can't recall, but s- my gut feeling says the Army. So yeah, there's always that. Yeah, true. I forget you were active duty then. Um, well, anyways, I went to the doctor the next day. And she told me, like, hey, you actually have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And I was like, Hashi what? Like, what? what is that? Do people actually, like, memorize this word? What does it mean? 
And she did take some time to explain it to me, which, again, I, I'm really blessed with this doctor um, because a lot of doctors don't really go into it. Some doctors, they will see TPO antibodies flag really high, and they don't even tell their patient, so, which was crazy to me. But she did. She told me what Hashimoto's was. She said, you know, it's an autoimmune disease, and it's attacking your thyroid. And where your antibodies should be really below, like, 14 was her range for optimal. I like to see them undetectable when I'm looking at <laughs> labs. Um, but she was explaining to me where they like to see it below 14. Mine were in the thousands. Um, so they were incredibly high, and my thyroid was already very damaged. So what usually happens with Hashimoto's is if it's detected before hypothyroidism, you're a sitting duck, essentially. They are like, well, there's nothing we can really do right now to treat the Hashimoto's. We have to wait until there's enough damage to the thyroid tissue that would require some medication, and then we will treat. Um, so I didn't even get an opportunity to then, uh, in the functional world, we wouldn't take that as an answer. We would say, oh, we have Hashimoto's. We're going to do something about that to bring those antibodies down and prevent that damage to the thyroid. Um, however, that it was too far gone <laughs> for me. It was... It was over, um, and so we started meds, and when she told me I would be on medication for the rest of my life, I tried to lighten the mood a little bit and was like, well, thank God for insurance, um, and I was on generic levothyroxine at the time because um, I just didn't know any better, obviously, and it all just started to kind of sink in, and it was extremely depressing. Like, I literally... My, my world just stopped. Like, I didn't work out. I stopped working out, and I rapidly gained weight um, during that season. And I was just – I was depressed before I ha felt any need to really move forward. Uh, do you remember me feeling depressy? So it's really difficult, and I think my story on you and your health journey is probably going to be very similar to every other husband's um, – perspective like it seemed like you were tired all the time and in my head you know I was very like rigorous and so I thought okay she's probably just not getting enough sleep and I didn't understand Hashimoto's I didn't understand the impact that it had on your health I didn't even understand like hormones in general I just knew that they existed specifically testosterone and um, <laughs> progesterone and that was it mm -hmm. so like those are the only two that I would like know that that was a that was a thing that could impact you and your health um, but outside of that it looked to me like you were just tired all the time um, even like at one point I was like is she just being lazy like I don't understand what's happening mm -hmm. so I was completely in the dark I do remember that you were it seemed like you were sad for most of the day and then like you would catch a second wind somewhere around like 7 p.m. and then it would only last for like 15 minutes and then that was it you'd fall asleep and you would wake up at like the next you would wake up the next day around like six o'clock. Um, so that was that was basically like the gist of my perspective. It was hard on you, though. I remember you would go and you'd work like these 12, 14 hour days, including your commute to base. And you'd come home and like the laundry wouldn't be folded and put away. And like these little things. And we lived in a small living space at the time. Like we were just starting out babies with a baby, essentially. 
And it was frustrating to you. And I can imagine because you're the one going to work and I was a stay at home mom and I still couldn't even like do the basics. And by the way, guys, nothing that he says here hurts my feelings. And anyways, I just feel like I have to throw that disclaimer in. <laughs> but do you remember that? Like yes, coming home yeah. and nothing was done. Yeah, I remember laundry baskets, dishes, like the whole nine. Um, I even remember at one point, I don't know if it was one of your grandparents or maybe your parents got onto you because you weren't cleaning enough and I shouldn't be coming home to clean is what they said. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. I like literally felt like a failure. And um, for those listening, like gender roles aside, my husband was at work and I did willingly and wantingly, like I wanted to be a stay at home mom that was a homemaker. Like that's what I wanted. And to not even be able to fulfill that was really, really depressing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, our, our youngest or our oldest daughter, she just, she's been through the roller coaster with us through the whole Mm -hmm. thing. And it's impressive how, like how much she cares. And I think that's where like some of her background and how much she cares comes from. But I wanted to backtrack a little bit. I've never noticed you gain weight outside of when you've been pregnant. So was there weight gain? You love me. Um, yeah, there actually was. So when I was working out, like before getting diagnosed in that, like six months, that postpartum fitness journey, I lost, like I was below my pre-pregnancy weight. So I had lost like a good 20 pounds. And then by the time that I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and I was just like, whatever, nothing matters. My body's broken. I hate my body. Like I'm betrayed by my body. I was going to show it zero respect. Um, it was probably six months before I started taking it seriously again. And I did gain probably like 10 pounds back. So nothing like not a ton, but keep in mind, I stopped working out. Like I definitely atrophied a little bit too. And, uh, obviously muscle is more sleek than fat. Um, so losing that muscle took away a lot of that tone, but there are pictures of me where I'm like, Ooh, like I could really tell like just how, far I had kind of let myself go in that spiral of depression wow I, I don't remember that like I said I the only time I remember you gaining weight is when you were pregnant and obviously you're going to gain weight when you're creating human under in your body so um, I wanted to go back a little bit on what what is the functional world what does that mean this is broad um, and there's no one definition, but for me and the way that we use functional health um, and how we would describe the functional world, it's it's people that are very holistic, like professionals in the space of health, wellness, fitness that are uh, very holistic. So they're looking at your body and they're saying, well, what else is going on? Like what came first? Your thyroid went out, um, your Hashimoto's is flared up. What caused the autoimmunity? What, you know, they're, they're trying to backtrack. And so for me, having that kind of mindset, because I've had it for a long time, I just didn't really dig into it until later on. But having that mindset, it really did help me like backtrack and like, oh my gosh, I was on antibiotics for acne for an entire year when I was a teenager. Um, I think I need to work on my gut. Like looking and backtracking is what I would say a functional professional will do. Um, Functional professionals that I can admire and respect are the ones that are not just slapping a million supplements on a diagnosis either. They're really doing more protocol work within uh, nutrition and lifestyle and then using supplements for what they are, which is supplemental. Um, So 
don't just think because somebody has the title of a functional professional, whether they're a doctor or a naturopath or um, an integrative health practitioner, like make sure that you are doing your due diligence to make sure that they aren't just um, looking to make more money off of you by the supplements that they recommend. Uh, so that's just kind of a side note there uh, because it is so broad. Yeah. Yeah. I, d- I think that I didn't even know that was a thing until we started Team A-Rod Fitness. And I- it's much like um, Western medicine in that just like your story, they were waiting for something worse to happen before they could do anything or take any action. Um, so with that being said, when did you – start to try to help yourself okay so the depression kind of subsided and I was like man I really got to start doing something about this um about six months after so I had started a new job um and it required me to work outside the home so I was no longer stay-at-home mom and my pants didn't fit and I was like we've got to get a handle on this and uh, researching Hashimoto's actually really stressed me out. And so, um, I just started conversations with other people and seeing what worked. And a couple people told me to just eat keto, which could be an episode in and of itself. Um, but just to briefly kind of summarize my journey with keto, I was actually keto, strict keto for an entire year. And at first, the first couple months, of course it lowered my inflammation. Of course it helped with my insulin sensitivity at first. But the cascade of events was that it actually wrecked my body way more, led to way more hormonal damage um, after that year. And so um, that's when I really started to do my own research and not just speak on or talk, you know, work on the experiences of other people to really figure out what I needed to do for my body. And that ended up being um, gut health and really like do you remember me chopping up like chicken feet to make my bone broth (laughs) yes yeah and i remember so being mexican i grew up with chicken feet in the house so i remember when you brought it in i instantly my mind went straight to there and i thought that she was going to make this like delicacy but instead she was just making bone broth yeah no i i became the bone broth queen Um, So, again, you have to think, like, I did the keto for an entire year. I then had my second baby. So now we're, like, fast forward. We're in, like, 2018, and I am doing my bone broth kick, and I'm doing a lot of diet variation. So I was making, like, homemade curry every day. I was – or not every day, but, like, throughout the week, I had this rotation of foods that I would have to heal my gut into – you know, restore the balance that my body needed that keto and Hashimoto's really depleted uh, me of. So 2018 was really like pivotal for my whole journey um, because I, I learned a lot. I did. I am a fan of self-experimentation. Like I did a lot of self-experimentation 2018 to 2019 uh, to really just like dig in there and heal. I ate some weird foods our house smelled a little funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It smelled it smelled really bad. It smelled like chicken feet. And do you remember snake juice? Or oh yeah. Snake water or something like that. I instantly my mind on my mind thought snake oil and it's just a, a gimmick essentially. It was electrolyte water. So now what it, it was free to do. We were broke. We, that's a another episode. Yeah. We were broke and so I had to 
throw together. It was like salt and cream of tartar and a couple of other things. It was just like electrolytes, essentially. That was almost free to make. Um, but the guy that invented it was super big on like long fast, uh, which we won't get into in this episode. But now I just use elements mm-hmm. and it tastes yeah. a lot better. Yes. And so now, as opposed to then, there's a whole lot less headbutting going on because I was completely against keto unless it was needed to be prescribed, in my opinion. Like for epilepsy. For epilepsy. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so when did you realize that there was a gap in modern medicine and fitness as it pertains to women's health and living a healthy life? my gosh. I mean, you can scroll on social media and you see everything and everyone contradict each other um, in terms of what to do for to lose weight. But not very many people were talking about Hashimoto's and fitness, like the combination of the two. And I realized that the more I talked to different coaches, I think that we talked about this last time, but um, the more I talked to different coaches uh, because I wanted help and I wanted to hire somebody nobody really knew what to do. They were like, okay, like if you have Hashimoto's, that's fine, but I'm going to take you like so far, um, was like the general consensus or a lot of uh, people would say, well, you really just need to eat less and move more. That would have put me at like when uh, at my worst, um, I would have been eating like 900 calories a day. Cause I was maintaining my weight at like 1100 calories a day when my metabolism was so downregulated from the, the thyroid problems. Um, so there really is a gap. There's a knowledge gap, even with medical professionals in Western medicine. Like I said, when you are diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, especially if you're diagnosed with Hashimoto's before your, your thyroid is clinically low, you're a sitting duck. Like they don't know how to guide you through nutrition and lifestyle to help get your antibodies down to help then prevent the damage of your thyroid. So there there's definitely a gap and it needs to be talked about more because i there there's so many women that have hashimotos um we're we're not even you know targeting necessarily a, a small percentage of all the women out there that have hashimotos um to help spread information which is why this podcast is, is you know being created to hopefully help and reach more women oh for sure uh is that gap what prompted you to help women with similar issues or were there other factors involved? Oh, absolutely. Like once I realized too that, I mean, obviously every, every body is different and I know what worked for me, like isn't going to work for everybody, but I knew enough. Like I knew enough that was different than like mainstream fitness coaches to help these women. And it, and it did. Like once we started taking on clients, uh, outside of me just like helping people for free before we like got started, but like once we started taking clients and I would get their progress photos submitted, I was like, holy crap! Like this woman came into us and she was in extremely inflamed and bloated, and you know Hashimoto's. We have what we call is like a Hashimoto's face where it just gets really puffy. That started to go away. Is that is that the same as a flare? Uh, similar like when you're flared up you're gonna be really puffy okay but that's when I was like 
we know what we're doing. Like, I knew that we knew what we were doing, but it's different when you actually have social proof. Like, I could show the world, like, hey, we know how to help these women. We have proven methods, and then we cater it. So if one thing doesn't work for our client, we go back to the drawing board and we find something else, and we take their labs into consideration. So that's, there's not a lot of companies that do that, and the fact that we're able to and we're blessed enough to be able to order labs for our clients to piece together all those missing pieces is incredible um, because we know how to get our clients results, and ultimately, when they're in that pain, they just want results. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we just ran out of time. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? I don't think so. I think that we have so much here. I think one of our next episodes could definitely be a deep dive into what actually happened to me after we had our second baby where I was really facing all the effects of my year of keto um, and deep dive more into that. But I think for now we're good. Okay, awesome. Well, that wraps us up and we're absolutely going to move forward with this conversation. I want this next episode after this one to kind of just continue that that discussion and then further dive into your history and your experiences um, with each baby and we've we now have three our third one being the healthiest and uh, yeah just going through that whole thing seeing you know who else out there has similar experiences so if you're listening and you're intrigued stick around <laughs>